Okay, imagine this. The first thing you remember, you wake up and look around. You're in a steamworks, somewhere out east, in New York, you think. That was well over 60 years ago. You remember when you were finished, when they mounted the bell and headlamp on your smoke box. You felt excited for your life to come as you left the steamworks. When you left the building, you shuddered as it was cold, and they hadn't yet built up a fire. You remember seeing a sign that read Alco as you were pulled out of the yard. You were taken to a freight depot, and the yard train that had pulled you was decoupled, and went back to the yard. You sat there for about two hours before the line train was coupled to your front, and you were backed into a mixed good train. You overheard the engineer of the line train say that you were an important engine to the war effort out west. That filled you with a great sense of pride to pull long, mixed freight trains important to millions of people. On your trip across the country, you were swift to many different line trains, but when you reached the Omaha Depot, you were left in the siding overnight, but you were loaded with coal and water before it got dark. It was still dark when you had felt something warm. They had finally filled your boiler and started your fire. It took a couple hours to build the steam, and you were finally ready to move. It had been day for a couple hours by then. When you finally moved under your own power, you felt how truly powerful you were. You left the siding and went onto the main line. You were then reversed across a great muddy river to a service shop. You had routine maintenance performed and your registration number plate mounted. You were christened and accepted into service as the Union Pacific X4005. You left the service shop the next day, steaming hard and only stopping to resupply coal and to change crews. You reached Green River, Wyoming at nightfall. You were set on a siding until the next morning. The next morning... You find out your first run to Ogden will have you taking troops and war supplies over the Wasatch. You ran similar runs for the rest of the war. About a year after the war was over, you were taken and modified to burn oil during a coal strike. The oil burned your firebox the wrong way and you didn't feel as powerful. You felt very uncomfortable running for those two years. At one point, you even stalled on a hill and that was a very embarrassing experience. After you were converted back to burn coal, you ran odd jobs around Wyoming for a few years. You ran a couple of routes regularly, but your favorite was the Sherman Hill route from Laramie to Cheyenne, as you liked high altitudes, but you didn't run mountain routes much anymore. As the war ended and the years progressed, the engineers became more and more experienced, and you realized that the railroad had put inexperienced people in your cab in some of the most vital years in your hauling career. That particular thought didn't make you too happy, but you enjoyed the older, more experienced engineers that drove you these days. Some of the firemen were these real young guys, but they were really hard workers. Around two years after you had been converted back to coal, you took a livestock train in western Nebraska, which is your first time you had been in Nebraska since you had been delivered. The next trip you took took you all the way down to Denver with a mixed freight train. You loved seeing the front range, and you heard stories of the rest of the mountains beyond Denver. You ran other odd jobs until the year you turned 11. You arrived in Rollins early in the morning and picked up a train of hog cars to take to Green River. You had an experienced crew, although the fireman was on the younger side. The trip started off without a hitch. Around 9 o'clock, you passed through the town of Wamsutter. There were children and families along the tracks to watch you go by. Ten minutes up the track, there was a track service crew helping a farmer get a sheep across the tracks. The men had been hired just that morning. The foreman had put an incapable man on the switch to a siding. They told him to throw the switch on his signal. There was a mist that morning that had limited the visibility quite a bit. As you reached the Red Desert siding, the foreman gave the signal, and the worker very suddenly switched the tracks, and looked up at you bearing down on him. He frantically tried to switch the tracks before you reached it, but he had failed. There was a commotion in your crab as the crew was frantically trying to at least slow the engine. Your emergency brakes were set. 
you hit the siding at 50 miles per hour. Your leading truck and driving wheel snapped over into the siding, and as your second set of driving wheels hit the siding, you started to tip onto your left side. And when your tinder reached the siding, you'd fallen over on your left and were sliding on the main track. Your tinder didn't stop so easily. And it continued to travel forward into the cab, destroying it, and suddenly the commotion in the cab had stopped. The rest of the cars hadn't yet. The first 12 cars were pushed into the tender and up, creating a 70-foot-tall pile of destroyed livestock cars and dead pigs. The next six cars had derailed and spilled onto the road and destroyed a bus stop. The crew at the rear of the train were lucky and were only bruised. When they heard the steam venting from your boiler, the conductor looked out of the window and saw the piles of cars and the replacement crew all jumped out and ran to the pile. They couldn't get close because of the venting steam. It took three hours for you to lose steam pressure so the rescue crews could cut into what was left to look for survivors. The engineer and fireman had died on impact, but the brakeman was still alive. He was rushed to the hospital as fast as possible, but he died the next day due to the burn sustained in the wreck. You felt horrible and responsible for the loss of the men. It took nine hours for the rest of the cars and debris to be cleared. You were set back on the tracks by a large crate. You were nearly destroyed in the wreck. You were towed slowly back to Rollins. It was the middle of the night, when you reached the yard. You were making a horrible screeching noises on the tracks as you rolled through, most of your driving gear broken. The yard crew watched solemnly as you were pulled into a shed on the yard. You were ashamed for the wreck and scared for your life as you expected to be scrapped. But a week later, you were collected and expected the worst. But you passed the scrapyards and were taken to the steamworks. You were repaired to full working order and given a new, upgraded tender. You returned to freight service until you were retired the year you turned 20. You were placed in a storage shed for years, as 17 of your brothers and sisters were scrapped around you. You always thought you were going to be next. It was decades until you saw the sun again. The next time the doors were opened, you were pulled out of the shed. You thought it was finally your time. You were brought up to pressure and left the yard under your own steam. You realized you weren't going to be scrapped. You were still confused about what was going on. Soon, you realized that you were on the Sherman Hill route. You were brought to Denver, which you had visited many years before. You are placed in a museum as a permanent exhibit. You have traveled well over one million miles before you were parked for the last time. You have seen many reactions over the years. Children looking at you in awe, teenagers looking with either interest or disinterest, and adults with respect, disgust at the wreck, or the same awe that you had gotten from the children. If there is anything you have realized over the years is that scars fade, but the memories stay fresh in your mind throughout time. This episode of Imagine This is dedicated to the crew of the Union Pacific X-4005 Big Boy that fateful day. Lawrence Edward Andreas, 23, the fireman. Andreas was born July 24, 1929, at Los Animas, Colorado, and was a graduate of Rollins High School. He was a member of the Brotherhood of Locomotive Firemen and Engineers. Andreas had just returned from a two-year tour of duty with the Railroad Division of the Army in Korea. He was the son of Mr. and Mrs. Roman Andres of Rollin. Leo Glenn Murray, 42, the engineer. Murray was an employee of the Union Pacific Railroad for 20 years and an engineer at the time of his death. He was survived by his wife, Lillian, and two children, Patricia, 13, and Michael, 9. He was a member of the Fraternal Order of Eagles, Council 2128, Knights of Columbus, the Order of St. Christopher for Catholic Railroad Men, Junior Old Timers, and the Brotherhood of Firemen and Engineers. James Robert Anderton, 36, the Brakeman. Anderton was born April 17, 1917, in Robertson, Wyoming. 
He attended schools at Robertson and Mountain View, Wyoming. He was a veteran of World War II and a member of the Brotherhood of Railroad Trainmen and the Fraternal Order of Eagles, number 2350, at Green River. He was survived by his wife, Anne, two children, Lola Jean, 10, and Robert Dwayne, 6, of Rollins. The Imagine This podcast was written, produced, edited, and narrated by Lawrence Link. Imagine This is a storytelling podcast from your point of view. New episodes come out every two weeks. You can find us online at Facebook at Imagine This Podcast, Instagram at Imagine This Pod, Twitter at Imagine This Pod 1, that's the number 1, and imaginethispod.wixsite.com forward slash imagine this. Imagine This can be heard on YouTube, SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. Thank you for imagining the story with me, and I hope you enjoyed this special tribute episode of Imagine This.